Hey there everyone welcome aboard to the One Touch Talks this is your host Mayuresh Matkar so after a week of some incredible nights of european football we've got a packed show to discuss everything which unfolded in each of the three cup competitions we will be looking back at what happened in spain as liverpool were given an almighty scare by villarreal we will be taking a look at rangers impressive victory in scotland against leipzig and tran frankfurt ending west ham's european quest and also mourinho's roma beating leicester in italy but we start in the santiago bernabeu which saw the mother of all comebacks by real Madrid at the death against the Premier League champions Manchester City which again proved that 90 minutes in the Bernabeu are very long. One can understand if something unusual happens once. You can explain it if it happens twice, but if it happens third time in a row where you are in a dire situation, you're almost dead and buried, then you can certainly not explain this. You have to attend a psychiatrist to actually explain what happened at the Santiago Bernabeu against Manchester City. Real Madrid were absolutely dead and buried in that game and they somehow scripted up a comeback. I mean, you can't really explain what happened in the Bernabeu on 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 Wednesday night and it was just incredible to see those scenes. I mean, Carlo Ancelotti, I don't know what he eats for breakfast or for lunch. I mean he's so cool. I mean there's no expression on his face. He he kind of knows that something's going to happen and I I would have actually given Madrid a a pass because they were celebrating after the La Liga win because it's kind of unprofessional because if you're celebrating for a La Liga victory you've got a big match coming up on Wednesday just 2 days later. I mean it's kind of unprofessional that you don't look after yourselves you're just busy celebrating but that didn't happen and I'm glad that it didn't happen. But in pure footballing terms, Real Madrid they don't deserve to be in the final. I mean, I said it last time and I said it uh, after the Chelsea game as well. I don't fancy Real Madrid to get against Manchester City, but in, after the last game, after seeing all the chances that were missed by Manchester City at the Etihad Stadium, I was dead certain that something's going to happen at the Madrid uh, at the Bernabeu. I knew it's it was going to go to extra time and it was going to get mighty ugly for Manchester City and they're going to bottle it again this time. Manchester City for some of the old reason they cannot find a way to win the Champions League. I mean if you look at the past 6 years this team is near perfect. I mean if you print a picture of a perfect team in football this team is it. I mean we were talking about that false nine or that the proper number 9 which Pep Guardiola does not use. I mean that number 9 Gabriel Jesus had a complete stinker. at the Bernabeu he played really well against Leeds United he played well against Watford even at the even at the Etihad Stadium against Real Madrid but against in, in the Bernabeu he was not really good enough we'll have to give credit to Real Madrid obviously you know they the, the firm belief that they have in themselves it's it's just incredible you look at the dugout of Real Madrid they were all jumping around when they knew that Rodrigo had scored the first goal they almost knew that in the 6 minutes of added time they were always going to score and if if at all there was no way that Manchester City could have really depended on the on on the lucky stars in the extra time they were always going to score in the extra time as well you know Real Madrid some of the odd reason i mean it's just a it's just one of those reasons one of those excuses that you will give that Ruben Diaz give away a penalty if at all it was not for Ruben Diaz some some someone else would have scored that goal uh, someone else would have come up with the goods i mean i i don't know where pep got wrong and I, i don't think he completely blew it away by himself i think the decision to start carl walker at first i thought it was 
it was yet another thing that he would have done where Walker wasn't fit. He had just one training session in Manchester and he came up to Madrid particularly half fit. I didn't think that that was the right decision, but they came up with it. And, you know, in the end, you know, Carl Walker had a fantastic game, to be honest. That was the right decision. Playing Joao Cancelo at left-back has particularly seemed to be one of the masterstrokes of Pep Guardiola's career, uh, not just at Manchester City, but of all time. I mean, he's that thing has been really menacing for the opposition defences, for the opposition midfielders. I mean, he's just popping out every single time, everywhere in the pitch. That That's how good Joao Cancelo has been for Manchester City. And the other team, I think it was straightforward who was he, who he was going to pick. I thought Kevin De Bruyne, he, he's playing with an injury and he was rightly rested for the game against Leeds United, which in the end proved to be a cake. Well, I didn't expect that to be, to be happening, given that Leeds United are still in relegation battle with Everton and Burnley. Uh, I do think uh, Manchester City will have a very big game against Newcastle at the Etihad Stadium because of the mental fatigue that will be creeping into their minds uh, after this game at the Bernabeu. I don't think that Manchester City would have ever thought that this is going to happen. I think Furlong Mendy's clearance of the line is so, so huge, to, to say the least. I mean, I mean, you could have every sort of explanation for Manchester City to not throw it away. I mean, the one thing that would have been a thorn in Manchester City's way to the Champions League final would have been Karim Benzema. And Karim Benzema has been a thorn in Paris Saint-Germain's ambitions and also in the ambitions of Chelsea, which was... All but done. I mean, Chelsea were all but done. They were undone by a very unlucky decision by Marcus Alonso. I mean, I don't, I don't get it. Christian Pulisic missing all those chances in the end. I mean, you cannot explain what happened in that game against Chelsea as well. They were playing with Danny Carvajal as their centre-back and Lucas Vasquez as their right-back. Still, they didn't score. You know, Benzema scoring a header in extra time. I mean, they Chelsea had the upper hand against the against the run of play. Man, Paris Saint-Germain with Gianluigi Donnarumma. I mean, I'm saying this being a Real Madrid fan. I, I, I don't understand how this has come up to be. I mean, in clear footballing terms, Real Madrid don't deserve to be in the Champions League final. It's down to luck. It's down to the place. It's down to the mere situation that they find themselves in. The opposition sometimes found themselves in. But, you know, if you call this a luck, I mean, I don't know if you can call this. You can't score six goals against Paris Saint-Germain. You can't score five goals against uh, Chelsea. You can't score three against PSG in one single half. You can't score six against Manchester City all by all due to luck. I mean, there's something around this Real Madrid side. I mean, I have been lucky enough to witness the three-peat of, Man- of, of Real Madrid. I've lucky enough to, I, I was lucky enough to witness the... Carlo Ancelotti's Real Madrid side winning the Champions League, the La Decima, which they call it in Madrid. And I was happy witnessing that. I knew that this was something special. And for me, the 3 P team of Zinedine Zidane was the best team that I have seen in European Cup competitions. Uh, we know, I mean, people can actually uh, have a debate with all the other sides which were in the competitions for some time. You mean Barcelona's side with Messi, Neymar, Suarez, uh, even the side which won in 2009, uh, even the Ajax side of 1994-95, the great Milan side which in which Carlo Ancelotti played, which Carlo Ancelotti coached 
you know, all those players like Gattuso, uh, Clarence Seedorf, Cafu, uh, Kaká, Shevchenko, all those players around in that Milan side and even that, that side which Carlo Ancelotti played in, which beat Barcelona 4-0 in the Champions League final all those years ago. But for me, Real Madrid's side, which won the three-peat, was the best, you know, in terms of just... It, don't, it doesn't matter what happens in the league, in La Liga, whether they lose, whether we win, everything does matter all around the Champions League. And that's what was the clear motivation of that, of, the, of that side. I mean, out comes the Champions League anthem and these players just turn up a switch. You know, whether it be Juventus, Bayern Munich, Atletico Madrid, or even anyone. I mean, they, they beat almost everyone, every single club which was in contention to win the Champions League, apart from, I think, FC Barcelona. But they, they beat everyone in that, in that run. So I, I was so very glad to witness that. But this is something different. I mean, Chelsea are the former European champions. They're the running, reigning European champions. Not anymore. They're not in the competition right now. Uh, Manchester City are the reigning Premier League champions. And uh, we've got the other team, which is uh, Paris Saint-Germain, or the... Who are not the reigning uh, French champions, but they have clinched the La Liga title uh, out this season under Maurizio Pochettino. So, you know, it's 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 different. I mean, you can't explain what happened there. Rodrigo scoring that second goal. I mean, how how many times? I mean, what are the odds that Rodrigo scores that goal? I mean, it's it's kind of monumental to actually say the least for what what we have seen and at at the Bernabeu. We we, we cannot really explain what really was happening in these last six minutes. As for Manchester City, I think Manchester City played really well. I, I, I thought that they played really well in the Etihad Stadium. They kind of did the job. I, I, again, you know, Pep Guardiola didn't really uh, overthink in this game. We have seen it. We have seen him overthink across uh, a lot of games in the Champions League. We look at the game against Lyon. We look at the game against Spurs as well, you know, where he kind of throws it away in the end. We look at the game against Liverpool where they just shot themselves in the foot, even against Monaco last season against Chelsea where he overthinks every single thing and plays Gundogan as his number six and just makes a complete and utter blunder. But this time, I, I don't think that he did anything wrong. I mean, people are actually questioning the decision of uh, playing Fernandinho in for Mares. I don't think that was a bad decision altogether. I think Kevin De Bruyne was having an off night Rightly so, because of his injuries and stuff. And I will give him a pass for that. You know, if you're playing with painkillers and stuff, you, you deserve to be uh, subbed off. You deserve to have an off game here and there. And he was not lucky enough to have an off day at the Bernabeu against Real Madrid. Uh, I thought Rodri had a decent enough game. I thought Bernardo Silva was magnificent yet again. And it's it's an unpopular opinion. And... If you ask me that Bernardo Silva has been more influential than Kevin De Bruyne this season for Manchester City, I mean, the best decision that Manchester City could have ever made under Pep Guardiola was to keep Bernardo Silva when he wanted to, be, when he wanted to leave. I mean, that's how good Bernardo Silva has been for Manchester City this season. Without Bernardo Silva, I don't think that they would have got through uh, against, uh, in, in that game against, uh, against Real Madrid at the Etihad Stadium. He's been so consistent for them, so consistent for Pep Guardiola as well. And I think Pep Guardiola has, uh, has, has shown the evidence that he loves Bernardo Silva so much that he does not 
pull him out of the team even when the team is in dire situation he's going to be the one who's going to be the chief provider for them even when De Bruyne is not on the pitch so that's how important Bernardo Silva is I thought Ruben Diaz I give him a pass I think he's going to be the future leader of Manchester City for years to come he's such an important player for Pep Guardiola he's kind of undroppable as he said some of the occasions you know he's he's that good but you know Manchester City don't get to the Champions League semi-finals this season and the Champions League final last season if it was not for Matt, for for Ruben Diaz and not just in the Champions League but also I mean Champions League gonna eat actually uh, make a case but even in the Premier League they wouldn't have been in this position if it was not for Ruben Diaz and his heroic defending yeah he's been absent for uh, the better part of March and also of April uh, because of an injury but you know he he has played an important role for Manchester City. Laporte has been questionable and I have to say this because I, I I saw him play at Athletic Club de Bilbao and he was very, very good. But as he's come to Manchester City, he's been under the shadow of Vincent Kompany first and now in the shadow of Ruben Diaz where he should have been the leader right now for in, in that back line. But he's not been that. Maybe he's not the guy who leads the team. He's someone who makes the team better. But some of the other days, he's not really up to the task. He's not up to the... Up to the plate. I think John Stones and Ruben Diaz are the two guys to take Manchester City forward. Almeric Laporte is someone who just fills up the gap when one of those two is not here, and that was the case right there in the uh, in, in in this game. I think he did really well against Atletico Madrid, but you know in this game and even at the Etihad Stadium when he gave away that stupid penalty, and even uh, where he had to mark him. I, I think it was I think it was Almeric Laporte who should have been marking Karim Benzema for that first goal. Again, he makes it look very, very easy, but it's not easy for Karim Benzema to score that goal. There is one-on-one with Zinchenko, but he's technically in between Laporte and uh, uh, Laporte and Zinchenko, Karim Benzema, where Laporte and Ruben Diaz are both marking Rodrigo. I think that was a bit of a mistake by Laporte because he needs to look at what's happening around and see what he could have done. I think he could have played a part in... Uh, getting the Vinicius uh, in avoiding that Vinicius Junior goal, but again, it was a free goal for for Vinicius Junior. And again, I think it's all going to melt down to all those missed chances from uh, from Manchester City. And as soon as I knew that it was four three after that first leg, you can look at the body language of all those uh, uh, Manchester City players. You look at Phil Foden, you look at Bernardo Silva, you look at John Stones when he gives the interview around in to, to be the sport you look at the body language of Kevin De Bruyne even in Sky Italia uh, he gave an interview De Bruyne wasn't really encouraging and I, I, I should say you know Manchester City have been the architects of their own downfall in a way I do think Pep Guardiola has got nothing to be ashamed of here because he's made all the right decisions I think one thing that the man you can't really fool the manager for is for the individual errors. I think Ruben Diaz, that penalty. I mean, you can have. I, 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 everyone knows how much I like Ruben Diaz on this podcast. I mean, if you're looking, if you are really uh, tuning in to this podcast right now, I mean, you wouldn't have any idea. But if you really follow me from for a long time, Ruben Diaz is one of my favorite players in the Premier League. I really like his attitude. I really like his uh, leadership skills. He's a good defender. He's a warrior. He's he kind of gives me the vibes of. Uh, of Sergio Ramos, but Sergio Ramos was a bit erratic at times, where Ruben Diaz does not seem to be. He's on a learning curve. He's very, very young. And I mean, he's so, so... He's, he's, got, he's, he's got that character to be the next 
Manchester City captain. I mean, still the Manchester City captain. He's getting on with the armband when the team's walking out. They park their prance, whether their team's walking out in games at the Stamford Bridge or even at Anfield or in the game today at the Bernabeu. You, you, you can't fault Ruben Diaz. But he, yes, again, I think Ruben Diaz should have done better for that first goal from Rodrigo. And even Edison could have done better. They were just completely switched off for that one. But by the way, Karim Benzema, my, my God. I mean, how does he manage to get his foot around there? It's, it's kind of a good delivery from Kamavinga, but it's just, just a tad overhead, in my opinion. Karim Benzema gets there. In, at, at full stretch, he, with his left foot... Tries to play that ball. He only that he could have done on that occasion was to play the ball in a dangerous area. He does that. Rodrigo takes the bait and gets the ball before Ederson or even Ruben Diaz. For the second goal, I think Laporte has to be at fault. I mean, he should be clearing that ball. But again, it's a free goal for Real Madrid. I mean, Asensio heads that ball. It's He just kind of glances that ball into the head of Rodrigo. Some of the other ways Rodrigo kind of adjusts his run and I, I don't know I mean it's it's just so bizarre to say the least I mean you can't fall Pep Guardiola for that you can't fall Pep Guardiola for the Laporte handball he, he he was very very angry for that big miss from uh, Riyad Mahrez when they were two on one him and Foden were two on one on Carvajal when they missed that opportunity where Real Madrid would have been 3-0 down in the first 20 minutes itself I mean, you, you have to say that Pep Guardiola has done a lot of wrong things in his Manchester City career in the Champions League, but not this time around. As much as I don't like Pep Guardiola for his Barcelona connections, I do think Pep Guardiola didn't mess this up this time around. I think Fernandinho's decision, if I was in Pep Guardiola's shoes, I think the wise decision is to get Fernandinho on for Mares. I mean, yeah, he can, Mares can keep the ball for a long time, but Fernandinho is the captain of your side. He's the experienced guy. He's the defender who can defend guy, who can do the dirty work for you. I mean, he's been in the business for so long, defending and pulling out for other people's mistakes. I mean, he's been that guy. Zinchenko for Walker, I mean, that was kind of forced. Um, Gundogan, when De Bruyne was not playing as particularly as well as he should have been. Again, yeah, I mean, Foden still played in the game. I was I had no idea how he managed to last that long. I was surprised with Raheem Sterling not coming on in the uh, regulation time. But yeah, he did came on. He didn't have much of an impact. He was going down like a disgrace. I mean, that, that first one where he goes down when he uh, tries to navigate his way through uh, Militao and Carvajal is... It's it's just stupid. I mean, come on. And by the way, Casemiro. What about that? Casemiro could have actually uh, he he could have actually carried a chainsaw and used it on someone and still could have gotten away with it. I mean, that was a clear booking for the first one where he takes Kevin De Bruyne out. I mean, that second one when he pulls Foden. I mean, he literally drags Foden to the ground, and still Daniele Orsato does not give him a yellow card. I mean, what's that? I mean. Even after being a Real Madrid fan, I was laughing at it. It's 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 got no explanation whatsoever. How has Casemiro not been booked? And then again, Laporte as well. You know, Laporte should have been sent off uh, for uh, putting his hand on the face of Luka Modric. As much as I love Luka Modric, it's going to be that biased thing around there. I do tend to get a lot. Uh, I tend to be a lot neutral on this podcast. But again, I I, I think Laporte that was a disgrace. I mean, the way he fell down on the pitch. I mean, 
uh, if there would have been Sergio Ramos on the pitch and the friendship that he's got with Luka Modric of the pitch as well, if Sergio Ramos would have been on the pitch, I'm Eric Laporte. I, I don't know what would have happened on the on, on the on the on the field that time. I'm Eric Laporte would have wouldn't have been in one piece. I mean, that's how hard it would have been if Sergio Ramos would have been on the field. But that, but that's that. I mean, you you can't explain what happened. I mean, Kamavinga. He's just been so so good for them, you know. Real Madrid have it, it, it's just a fine it, it's just a fine for me, you know. Camavinga. If I'm Florentino Perez, I'm giving more money to Ren. I mean that that that's how the level has been of Camavinga this season at Real Madrid. He's not had the best starts. He has had some disciplinary issues, according to the media in Spain, but on the field he has been the source of energy for Carlo Ancelotti. He's been the guy who's taken over the mantle from Tony Kroos in terms of he's not as good as Tony Kroos in terms of the distribution of the ball, but in terms of the reading of the game, in reading of where and how to just manage yourself on the fit on, on the pitch is something that I have seen a lot from Tony Kroos over the years. And I, I think he's the guy to take forward that Tony Kroos or, or even the Casemiro role. I mean uh, there are rumours circulating around Aurelien Chouameni uh, joining uh, Real Madrid. I think for Chouameni, uh, if he stays at Monaco for one season when they are in the Champions League, I think it would mean a lot to him and a lot to his uh, club. I mean, he was ov- obviously was brought down from uh, another club to Monaco, but playing for Monaco in the Champions League would really feel different from him otherwise. And after that, he would always can pull up a, uh, pull up a transfer anywhere else. I mean, uh, the... Uh, the sporting director or something what they call it I don't know in France of Monaco is really really good I mean he's a very intelligent guy Monaco doing really well they can't really qualify for the Champions League they're I think they're level on points with I don't know who is it Ren I think it is and they can go into the Champions League playoffs I mean it would be special for them but Obviously, Camavinga, I mean he was just absolutely brilliant some praise to Fede Valverde as well I mean he was Outstanding in this game. I mean, he literally played with five lungs. I, I, I've not go. I've got no words for his his display on the pitch. I mean, he was so so good. And again, you know, in the defense, I thought Nacho was incredible to say the least. I mean, even Folan Mendy played really well. I mean, next season, on, on the basis of what I have seen uh, on the on the rumor mill this uh, uh, in Spain and also in England. That Tony Rudiger is supposed to play for Real Madrid next season. I think the possible back four for Real Madrid is going to be Alaba at left back, and then you've got Rudiger and Militao, and then you play uh, someone like a Danny Carvajal, or maybe uh, one between Rudiger and Militao. Uh, one between Militao and uh, Mendy is going to be sitting on the bench, which is really unfair to me. But really, it's 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 been such a fantastic game for Nacho Fernandez. I mean, he's He's always been one of my favourite players. I mean, he, I've not really fancied him playing in these Champions League games, but obviously he's done his job for the entirety of his Madrid career, where he's filled in for players like Varane, like Ramos, when they've been suspended in the Champions League. I mean, it's it's incredible, to say the least, the contribution of players like a Nacho Fernandez in the great club of Real Madrid. So, I, I, I'm really... I'm really happy for the performances that he put on the field. And again, you know, as as I said before, as as I showed you the recording before, 90 minutes in the Bernabeu are very long, yeah. But 
at the end of at the end of the 120 minutes which were played at the Santiago Bernabeu, you look at the team which played there, and it was nowhere near to the team which we associate with. There was no Karim Benzema, there was no Luka Modric, no Casemiro, no Toni Kroos. I mean, that's how the team was. No David Alaba as well. So I mean, these are five big players of this Real Madrid side. The only player that I thought was really one of the cornerstones of the season for Real Madrid and was still was still on the pitch was Thibaut Courtois and he was in, he, he was in goal. Real Madrid ended the game with Ferland Mendy at left back and then it was a back three of Nacho, Jesus Vallejo and Dani Carvajal with Lucas Vasquez playing as a right wing back or it was a back five totally. It was three in the midfield with Camavinga, Fede Valverde and Dani Sabayos, who has been on a terrific run of form, by the way. Dani Sabayos, he's, he's rumoured to stay at the club uh, for next season. Uh, and up front, it was Rodrigo and Asensio. I mean, how, how many of these players would Carlo eventually really like to be uh, in his plans? I mean, I don't know. But that, that, that's the thing about them. And, uh, for Real Madrid going into the Champions League final, I think they're the... Clearly underdogs. If you look at the game in footballing sense, you have to say Liverpool are the favourites here. And I think, in a way, Liverpool are are best suited to really kill this Real Madrid side. And so is Chelsea. I think Chelsea did it well, but they just completely bottled it at Stamford Bridge. I I, I really don't believe myself. I'm saying this being a Real Madrid fan. I'm really plotting against Real Madrid, but... You know, Liverpool seem to be a team which can really trouble Real Madrid. And one thing that is certain, that it's going to be just one-off game, so can't really think about it. Real Madrid have... And they, they were completely down and out in what five out of the six games they played in the Champions League knockouts. There was no Karim Benzema for them, and they still managed to get through. That's how great this club is. That's how great this stadium is. By the way, for... For Manchester City and Pep Guardiola, I, f- I feel sorry for him in certain s- sense, but I'm really not someone who really uh, is fond of Manchester City. I really don't like Manchester City anyway. So uh, yeah, I'm not really the uh, big supporter of Manchester City. But th- here's a stat for you, which uh, I acquired from Twitter. I've retweeted on my Twitter account. Uh, you can obviously uh, follow me on Twitter on Weekly Pod W E E K L Y underscore OTT uh, that's my Twitter handle uh, by the way uh, out of Guardiola's 11 Champions League elimi- elimination 8 have seen decisive periods that were sudden collapses of flurries of goal conceded 8 collapses I mean that's what I would like to really uh, shed light on the remaining 3 were the Champions League final against Chelsea the one game against Chelsea at the new Camp where they lost it. I mean, that really big tie in the new Camp in 2012 where Chelsea were, won the uh, Champions League under Roberto Di Matteo. And the one game which was decided by a Paul Scholes screamer at Old Trafford which ended in a 1-0 victory for Manchester United at uh, Old Trafford back in 2008, if I'm right. Yeah, 2008. The other eight have seen sudden collapses and I'll read them out for you in 2010 there were two goals in 13 minutes one on the 48th minute by Wesley Schneider and the, the and the third goal which was scored by Diego Milito that was the iconic game between Inter and Barcelona Pep Guardiola against Jose Mourinho where Jose Mourinho went on to win the Champions League with Inter not just the Champions League but he also won the Coppa Italia and the uh, 
Serie A as well in Italy. In 2014, three goals in 18 minutes. There were two Sergio Ramos headers uh, against Bayern Munich and the one goal where uh, Benzema, Bale and uh, Cristiano Ronaldo combined for that goal. The 16th goal, the 15th goal of the season for Cristiano Ronaldo. That, uh, uh, that, that really good expression where he just flips his hand re- here and there. It was an cr- incredible goal. Great counter-attack by uh, Real Madrid on that occasion. 2015, three goals in 17 minutes where Bayern Munich were at the new Camp where... They were in control. They were not completely in control, but they were matching toe-for-toe to Luis Enrique's uh, Barcelona side. Then that goal came up from Messi, and then there were quick goals. I mean, Messi just turned Boateng inside out in that game. I remember that. I mean, everyone remembers that. Um, That game against Barcelona ended in a 3-0 victory for uh, Luis Enrique's side. It was... Two goals from Messi, if I'm not if I'm not wrong, and one goal from Neymar in that game. In 2017, they had two goals in eight minutes in Monaco, which was a complete disaster. I don't know how to explain this to you, but they were in 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 cruise control of that game, and Manchester City blew it away in 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 a very in a, in a very bizarre manner. I mean, there were goals from. Uh, uh, there were goals from Kylian Mbappe in the in the eighth minute, and then by Fabinho, and then Leroy Zane scored. They were in control of the game, and suddenly Bakayoko scores in the seventy seventh minute of the set piece. I mean, the game in uh, uh, in in twenty seventeen, in twenty eighteen. I mean, was that was the game? I mean, obviously, uh, for Monaco in, in in that game, Monaco where Monaco scored, uh, or maybe would have been the first leg. I, I don't know, but I think it was the. Uh, uh, it, it, it was a second leg in uh, in, in France. Uh, yeah, in uh, 2018, three goals in, in 2017. But in 2018, yeah, three goals in 19 minutes at Anfield at the cop end against Liverpool where uh, Mo Salah scored a very erratic error from the... It, 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 was, a, it was a big error from the Manchester City defence where Mo Salah capitalised and then there was a tremendous shot from Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and Sadio Mane heads in for 3-0 at the cop end for Liverpool. Liverpool went on to win the tie by five goals to one. Uh, in 2019, those two goals from Young Minson uh, against Manchester City at the Etihad Stadium we just got a completely different life into that game. I mean, Son was on a different level in that game altogether. Uh, in 2020, two goals in eight minutes, two goals from Moussa Dembélé in uh, Lisbon, which saw Lyon eliminate uh, Manchester City in the Champions League there. And 2022, three goals in six minutes, two from Rodrigo and one penalty from Karim Benzema. That's how things have panned out for Manchester I feel sorry for Pep Guardiola in a way, but in the end, I think Real Madrid, if you win it once, if you can call it one bad day at the office. Second time, you can call it luck. But third time, I don't think you can call it luck. It's just, it's just something that you can't explain. That's how football works. Away from Madrid to the Estadio de la Ceramica in Spain, where we had Liverpool travelling to play Villarreal after being 2-0 up from the first leg at Anfield. It was a very, very interesting game to look forward to because Villarreal were very much criticised by the English media for being a lot defensive in their approach when they played against Liverpool at Anfield. And they really silenced the critics. I mean, for the first 45 minutes, Liverpool were... in. They, they were shot. They, they were really shot on answers. I mean, they, they really had no idea of what had come to eat them in the Estadio de la Ceramica. The stadium is small, but the noise they were making that was just that was a spectacle. The first half for for Liverpool, they were just completely 
lost in the woods. I mean, they had no idea what had come and they completely were losing the plot. I mean, all the Liverpool fans would have been thinking, what has just happened in this game? And frankly speaking, I think Villarreal deserved a lot of credit. I think they played extremely well in the first half at Anfield as well. They defended really well at the cop end. And uh, in the second half, yeah, there was a big deflection. Really could have done better. But, you know, in the end, I, I should have, I, I should say, I mean, Liverpool are a bit too strong. I mean, you, you can't play an open attacking football with Liverpool at Anfield. I mean, they just will cut you open. I mean, you could, you, you might score once, but you might just concede five or six goals yourself. But, and that's what, and that is the truth. And th- th- that is the bitter truth of this game. As for this game, they had the crowd behind themselves. Etienne um, Kapu, I mean... <laughs> I don't know what to call that first goal. Bula Diaz scored. By the way, I mean, Villarreal, you should be giving them a lot of credit. I mean, there was no Ch- Samu Chukwes in the team. There was no Dan Juma. Gerard Moreno was injured. He still played in this game. He made a huge difference because he kept uh, he kept you know, Konate and Van Dijk very, very busy. Uh, there was no Manu Trigueros. He was only starting from the bench. No Dan Juma. So they were, they were not pretty much in full strength. Villarreal themselves but they did really manage to put up a fight against Liverpool and that's what is really the big point I knew that Villarreal would come out and open attack Liverpool and they would do in a certain manner and for, for all those people I mean Jason Candy, I mean he's just I'm, I'm sorry to say this but they just talk so senseless about these teams outside of England I mean I saw something related to Manchester City where it was a former England international where I would be retweeting that tweet from TalkSport, um, which, I, which I saw uh, yesterday. And they were, he, he, he was, I don't remember his name, but he was in a bar watching that game. And there were some Chelsea fans, there were some Manchester United fans. They were all cheering for Real Madrid when they scored. And this man was saying that why they didn't want to see an all-English fan. I mean, just grow up. I mean, why would a Manchester United fan want to want Manchester City going to the Champions League final? I mean, it's just nuts. Why would a Chelsea fan want Manchester City going to the finals? I mean, yeah, obviously you shouldn't be supporting Real Madrid themselves, but they are your domestic rivals. I mean, come on. I mean, no one wants to see an all-English fan. Not me. I mean, I was supporting Real Madrid myself. But uh, yeah, obviously, you know, the, these these people on TalkSport, they just, they just don't make any sense every single time. Uh, by the way, you know, this game... Uh, uh, Francis Coquelin played really well. I thought uh, even Adrian Capu, uh, Parejo, I mean, he was caught two or three times in possession, but he did really well to keep the ball ticking. Uh, I thought Fabinho was lost in that first half. He really was. Uh, Naby Keita was responsible for a lot of turnovers. He was losing the ball every now and then. He had a great game, by the way, at the St. James's Park against Newcastle. He's got a fantastic goal. Uh, I thought they had to bring in uh, Jordan Henderson. They had to bring in James Milner to attain a bit of tranquility in the game because that was Liverpool were all at scene. They weren't really creating a lot of chances themselves. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold for that second goal. By the way, he, he is just a bad defender, isn't he? He's such a bad... I, I, don't, I don't get it. How does Klopp defend him so much? But he's a bad defender. And I was really uh, amazed with Andrew Robertson, where he allowed Francis Coquelin to get in front of him. What was it, Coquelin? Uh, uh, yeah, it, it in Kapu, I'm sorry. He allowed it in Kapu to get in front of him and actually have a go at Alisson, where he didn't actually have a go at Alisson, but he intent uh, squares that ball to Bull Idea, who scores the goal. I mean, again, I, I should be saying this. I, I knew that once Liverpool get everything going on at their speed, 
it would be difficult for Villarreal, and Villarreal, it would have been difficult for them to actually, to 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 actually have that intensity for ninety minutes. It's going to be difficult against uh, Liverpool. I mean, you can do once against Bayern Munich, but not uh, for the ninety minutes against Liverpool. I mean, it's it's it's, it's just ridiculous. I mean, yeah. If you look at that game against Bayern Munich, they created a lot of chances by playing the game that they wanted to play. And it was not as if Bayern Munich were attacking there. It was an end-to-end game. No, it wasn't an end-to-end game. Bayern Munich should have been 3-0 up in that game at the Estadio de la Ceramica. But they were not. And obviously, uh, I I don't know what to say the least. They were 1-0 up in that game. And I don't know how to explain that. But in this game, they were two 0 up deservedly. I thought Unai Emery deserves a lot of praise, and these people are just nuts in the English media who really call out Unai Emery for what he is. I mean, Unai Emery is not someone who explains things a lot better in the post-match interviews, but he, people tend to make fun of his accent, make fun of how he is reacting on this touchline. But but, but he's a very good manager, to be honest. He's, he's made for these cup competitions. In PSG, he was. I mean, PSG is a toxic club for anyone. I mean, even if Sir Alex Ferguson or Pep Guardiola or even Zinedine Zidane go to that club, it's not going to get better. That's that. That's for sure. The, the need to have an overhaul from top to bottom, and then and only then they can win the Champions League. I mean, same with City. I mean, they need to have. Uh, they need Pep Guardiola needs to go out and. Uh, kiss the feet of Yaya Torre and say to the shamans that you know what take that curse away from me because he, it's not working for him as well uh, by the way for this game I thought as Luis Diaz came in I mean it's just cha- it, it just completely changed for Liverpool they were so so good in that second half again you can obviously uh, argue that Gennarima Ruli should have uh, actually saved two I mean he was at four for two I mean I can actually I can actually make a case for the first one because it goes through his feet I mean uh, if I would have been in Ruli's in Ruli's position, I in that point in time in that split second, I was thinking that Fabinho was going to play that ball into Sadio Mane. You look at his body position; it was a bit tilted towards Sadio Mane because he thought that it would have been to Sadio Mane, and that left a gap between his both the legs. Fabinho short shoots, and it's a goal for Liverpool. I mean, yeah, you have to question Gennaro Ruli there, but obviously, yeah, I, I see that and obviously have a soft corner for Jenry Marui. Uh, again, that second goal for, uh, for for Liverpool just shows that Liverpool are better side than them for, 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 from Villarreal. And that's nothing to be ashamed of, obviously. So, yeah, Liverpool just attacked them. Uh, it was a good cross by Alexander-Arnold who meets the header of uh, uh, Luis Diaz. Very well-timed run, by the way, from Luis Diaz. He's just completely changed the complexion of Liverpool's side. I mean, where we were thinking that Firmino, Mane and Salah, one of the best front threes in the world, then Jota comes in and then they try to just increase the uh, quality of that front three by adding Luis Diaz. I mean, that's just incredible to see the least. I think going forward, you have to play Luis Diaz on the left. You have to play Mane through the middle and Salah. I mean, there's no one to replace Salah at this point in time. So, yeah, Salah should be playing at the right. And probably that... It's, it's, it's a, probably a set 11 for Liverpool at this point in time. Uh, the, the best 11 is Matip, Van Dijk, Alexander-Arnold and Robertson. I think in the Champions League final, they will be playing Matip over Konate. I think it would be really bizarre to see for me that if Matip does not start over Ibrahima Konate in, in, in Paris against Real Madrid, I, I, I've got no idea if that would happen. I think Klopp would have been really foolish to actually not play uh, Matip. Yeah, he's been that good. 
for Liverpool. Uh, uh, by the way, I would play Robertson, Alexander-Arnold in that midfield three. It's Thiago, Henderson and Kate, And Fabinho, front three, Diaz, Mane and Salah. That's the front... That's the... Uh, that's that, that's the that, that's the starting eleven for me. You have got players like Oxlade Chamberlain, like James Miller, like Naby Keita who can come on the bench in the midfield. You've got Jota, Firmino, Divock Origi who can make difference from the bench uh, in the attack. You've got Ibrahima Konate, as I said before, Joe Gomez, Costa Simicas. You can all these players. I mean, you you can have them by their side. And Liverpool are a very good side, by the way. You know, Villarreal. You have to give them credit. They're not probably not going to play European football next season. They've had a shocker in La Liga uh, at the start of the season. They have picked up pace, by the way. Uh, I mean, again, the results against Levante and all those teams don't help. Uh, you have to be more consistent in La Liga to play European football. Uh, I don't know if they can get into the Conference League. It's going to be very tight for them. Uh, but in the Champions League, it's going to be a very big run for them. If they get into the top for next season, they can play the Champions League. I mean, La Liga is no great shakes at the, at the moment in time. I mean, you can make a case for Real Madrid. I think Atletico Madrid as well. I think their squad is a bit better than that of Barcelona and the other sides, you know, Sevilla. I mean, Sevilla, I don't think they have got the self-confidence to compete in La Liga. Um, or even teams like Real Betis. I mean, they can really do well in the Manuel Pellegrini. They did well in the first half of the season. Maybe if some good signings come into play next season, they can do well. They have won the Copa del Rey, so yeah, they will be in good spirits. Athletic Bilbao, I mean, every single time they have a good, they have a decent enough team, but they don't make it to Europe, and that's what the epitome of that team is. We also that as well. They have got some really good players um, in their side, like David Silva and the others. I mean, and who are the others? I mean, Morelos, Juan Zabal, all those guys. Um, they're a good side, but they don't really punch above their weight every single time. We've seen that. They were good in the starting of the season, but they have just held off. And again, you probably expect that to happen. I mean, Villarreal could have, have, could have a very good shot at uh, the Champions League next season, Champions League positions next season. Uh, if they get into the Europa Conference League, maybe European title as well, because you can't never doubt in uh, Villarreal and Una Emery in European competitions. Uh, by the way, uh, if you look at the game fixtures for Liverpool, they, they're going to be in a bit of a dogfight now. They have got to play at ho- Tottenham at home, which I think they will win. It's a tricky game then after, uh, away to Southampton at the St. Mary's. And then they've got to play Chelsea away uh, at the Wembley Stadium, which is going to be a neutral venue for them. But it's, it's, it's a very tricky position where uh, Liverpool will find that they have got two games on neutral locations as well. Uh, they've got games uh, uh, where, where you, you, you can actually make a case for them to win every single game from now to the end of the season. That's how good Liverpool are. They have got, what, six games to go in the season, play six games, win six, you, had, you, you win at least two. You've got, what, two games at home, which are going to be against Tottenham and against Wolves. You've got two games away, one at Aston Villa and one against Southampton at St. Mary's. I'm sorry, it was uh, Tottenham at home and then you've got Villa Park. Where then you've got to go to Villa Park to play Aston Villa, which is going to be a bit of a Steven Gerrard derby. Then you've got to go to the Wembley to play uh, Chelsea and then you've got to go uh, away at St. Mary's to play uh, Southampton. Then it's a home game against Wolves, which is the final day of the season. And then that's the game against Real Madrid in the Champions League final, obviously. That's going to be a big, big one. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, 
as far as Liverpool will go. By the way, Real Madrid are going to be very much fresh. I don't fancy any one of those players who are going to start in the Champions League final to play regularly. Maybe one between who's going to start alongside Vinicius and Benzema in that front three. Maybe he gets a run. I think Jesus Valero will get a run in the, in La Liga in the remainder of the remainder of the games. Maybe Dani Sabas as well. Eduardo Camavinga can play regular football now. Maybe even Nacho can play regular football in the uh, La Liga. You can obviously have Lucas Vasquez, players like Rodrigo playing regular football, Asensio playing regular football, Luka Jovic, if Gareth Bale wants to play, he can play. So, uh, yeah, that's something that you can help to in, in, in Real Madrid. That's something that you can have as a luxury uh, from now until the end of the season. For Liverpool, you don't have it. It's all throttle. It's full throttle until now the end of the season. Six games, two at home, two away, two on neutral occasions. That's how things stand out for them. If they win it, I, 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 I fancy Manchester City dropping points somewhere now. I don't think Liverpool will drop it. As now I see it, Liverpool getting into the quadruple. I do think that the stars are aligned to, to, to make it happen right now. I do think that's the case with Liverpool. And I hope that happens. I'm, I don't hope that happens on a quadruple, but a domestic treble, obviously. I want Real Madrid to win it and want Carlo Ancelotti to win it. By the way, shout out to the great Carlo Ancelotti winning the five major league titles in Europe. Uh, the La Liga with Real Madrid, the Bundesliga with Bayern, the uh, Premier League with uh, Chelsea, Liga with Paris Saint-Germain and the AC Milan uh, winning the Scudetto in Italy. So... Uh, yeah, one of the great managers that I've ever seen in the game. One of the one of the greatest for me, you know. Obviously, in the category of Jose Mourinho, Pep Guardiola, Sir Alex Ferguson, all those guys, Jurgen Klopp as well. I can include him as well in that same category. You know, he's one of those guys. I mean, he he's gonna overtake the likes of Bob Paisley and Zinedine Zidane if he wins the Champions League against Liverpool. I mean, that could have been redemption. I mean, it. Yeah, redemption was in 2007, according to Carlo Ancelotti. But this would also sound sweet. Also taste sweet, I'm sorry. Wouldn't it? So enough of the Champions League. We now have to take a look at what happened in the Europa League. We had a big game at the Ibrox in Glasgow as Rangers played Leipzig. And for me, it was a very disappointing game in terms of... I'm, I'm a big Leipzig fan. I'm not certainly one of those guys who likes the city a lot because I'm heard i've not been to germany so i've heard that leipzig is a very yucky place uh, but yeah rangers played a really brilliant game in leipzig this completely shot themselves in the foot rangers deservedly going through to the finals to play Eintracht frankfurt i was very very disappointed john lundstrom i mean how the hell would they not defend that set piece well I, i've got no idea glenn camera getting the goal in the 24th minute and even james tavernier who's who's had an incredible European campaign, to be honest. He's played right back, right wing back, and he scored goals from there. I mean, it's just incredible the way he's had these... Uh, uh, he's, he's had this convertibility in the in, in that sort of position for, for, for a right back. I mean, he's scored seven goals in... I mean, obviously, four out from the penalty spot, but he scored seven goals and two assists from right back position in the Europa League. And that's really... Uh, something to hold up to as for Leipzig I, I, I was really disappointed by it not really made any sense for Domenico Tedesco to start Josef Paulsen ahead of someone like an Andre Silva I think Paulsen wasn't that very good uh, Kevin Campbell didn't have a good game uh, they really didn't create an awful lot I think that one chance which came down to Conrad Leimer which was very well saved by uh, the Rangers goalkeeper McGregor and then that one chance which came on to uh, 
Uh, I think it was Benjamin Hendricks. Well, I, I mean, again, Benjamin Hendricks, what was he trying to do? I have no idea. When the, when the score was, what, uh, 2-1, Benjamin Hendricks had that big chance after Christopher Nkunku goal where Leipzig were really uh, gaining the momentum of the game at the very death. I mean, Benjamin, I, I don't know what he was trying to do there. Maybe he was trying to pass it square to someone else. Was nobody there to be, to be found out, but he tried to pass it to someone and... In the end, he just scuffed that shot some way. It just was ridiculous to watch. And then was nothing. I mean, that Christopher Nkunku goal, by the way, he's having a terrific season. If they get Champions League football, I would say that he plays for Leipzig for yet another year because of uh, the World Cup coming up. Yeah, obviously, he could uh, play the World Cup but as a Leipzig player and then make that big move, I think. I hope that he's not a one-season wonder, but I really like uh, RB Leipzig. I do think that the big threat to... Um, uh, Bayern Munich's uh, title aspirations next season in Bundesliga. Uh, by the way, yeah, I would have to give a shout out to Nico Schlotterbeck and uh, Matthias Ginter who have made moves right now. It's a domino effect of uh, the. It's a domino effect of defenders switching right, right now. Uh, Gladbach have sent Ginter to Freiburg, and Freiburg have sent uh, Schlotterbeck to uh, Dortmund. I think it's a very good signing for Borussia Dortmund. He's a very, very good player, bright player, Nico Schlotterbeck. He's one of my uh, favourites to start for Germany in the World Cup alongside Tony Rudiger. I do think if they play a back four, then it's going to be... Uh, I don't know who's going to start right back. Maybe it's going to be Benjamin Hendricks, but, uh, or even you can play Matthias Ginter as right back. Uh, but yeah, my starting back four for them is Robin Gosens. Maybe even Christian Gunther from Freiburg, Nico Schlotterbeck, Tony Rudiger, and Benjamin Hendricks. That's my starting. Or even you can have Lucas Klosterman at right back. So yeah, obviously that he, those two are the first on the team sheet for me as 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 my centre backs. Uh, but I don't really like this this thing, you know, where they uh, kind of announce the signing before the end of the season. I mean, just does not look good. I mean, we also what happened with all those domino effects of managers switching places with uh, Gladbach giving up Marco Rosa to, uh, uh, to to Dortmund, Oliver Glasner coming up as the manager of Eintracht Frankfurt, Adi Hüttel uh, making a move from Frankfurt, leaving Champions League football altogether when Frankfurt was sure shot going to play Champions League football last season. He left it and all hell broke out in, in, in that team and they lost out a Champions League place in the end, they had to play European football, obviously the Europa League, but lost the Champions League place where Adi Hüttel was supposed to join Borussia Mönchengladbach, announced it very first. I mean, come on, I mean, uh, even Julian Nagelsmann was, was announced as the manager of uh, Bayern Munich in the uh, before the start of the season, even Dario Pamecano was announced as the new Bayern Munich player before the start of last season. I don't like it. I, I really don't like it. Just, just it's, it's a stupid thing that they do. It really needs to stop. Uh, by the way, the second game uh, saw Eintracht Frankfurt playing uh, West Ham United in Germany. It was a game to forget for. I mean, David Moyes was sent off the bench in the 80th minute. Aaron Cresswell, I mean, that was just so stupid, wasn't it? From Cresswell to uh, get that red card. I, 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 I really don't see there is any reason for him to... Uh, uh, to 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 actually do what he did, I again he was one on one. I I don't remember who it was on that occasion where 
yeah, but obviously it was no way in any shape or form going to do anything. Uh, Rafael Santos Borges had a good season, by the way. Uh, we're not going to see him at the World Cup because Colombia have not qualified. Uh, but he, he's been one of the shining, shining lights. He signed his first season at Eintracht Frankfurt. He was at loan at Atletico Madrid at one time. He also played with uh, Villarreal for some time. But he's really shown up in this uh, Frankfurt side. And I really fancy Frankfurt now to win this uh, entire team, uh, entire thing. Uh, I mean, you look at the uh, you, you look you can look at the run that Frankfurt have uh, been through. I mean, it's it's really remarkable. You know, they have to play. They had to play Barcelona. They had to play uh, the likes of Real Betis and now West Ham United. Now they have to play Rangers. And even for uh, Rangers FC, you look at the run in uh, Leipzig at uh, had Leipzig Braga, which is not a, not a bad team to play. I mean, Braga gave them a run for their money. And if it not, was not for that stupid red cards in that game, they would have been in the uh, Europa League semi-finals against Leipzig. And even in the uh, uh, round of sixteen, they had to play. Uh, uh, they had to play Red Star Belgrade, which is not a bad team as well. So yeah, in in the round of thirty-two, they had to play Borussia Dortmund. Don't really forget that. So yeah, it had uh, a lot to do with. Uh, uh, with, with their running, but yeah, in the Champions, uh, in the Europa League final, uh, Eintracht Frankfurt against Rangers. I fancy Rangers to. I fancy Frankfurt to win this all, uh, win, win everything. It's going to be on the twenty uh, fifth of uh, May, so we'll have to see who goes through in the Europa Conference League. We have got Roma against Feyenoord to play in the finals uh, in the arena of Combiatare. It's it's going it's going to be a very good game. Uh, Jose Mourinho was emotional in the end. Uh, they, they won this game deservingly so. I think uh, Tammy Abraham has had made a great difference to the side. He's played so well for Jose Mourinho. He's been a guy who he, he looks like a Jose Mourinho centre forward, doesn't he? You know, like Drogba and all those guys. You know, he looks proper Jose Mourinho centre forward. I mean, Drogba, Milito from his days at Inter and Chelsea, you know, those two centre-forwards really come into my mind. Diego Costa uh, from Chelsea in his second spell. So, yeah, he, he looks like a Jose Mourinho centre-forward. He scored that good goal. Lorenzo Pellegrini coming up clutch yet again with that assist uh, to Tammy Abraham. Nicolò Zaniolo didn't have a good game, but I think he will have a big part to play in the future of uh, this uh, great club from Rome. Uh, as for Leicester City, it's uh, the end for their aspirations in Europe didn't play really well I mean I thought Jamie Vardy had a very sub substandard game I thought Tielemans and Madison played well on that uh, you, you should say they played really well I mean Dewsbury Hall was was not that good Johnny Evans for Fana Ricardo Pereira was I thought was really really good but didn't have much support Lukman was not that much Casper Schmeichel had to come up with two or three saves but that's all uh, I don't think Roma had to give a lot, a big fight to uh, this uh, to to win this game. By the way, uh, that big game against uh, Marseille uh, for Feyenoord at the uh, Velodrome. It was a really really interesting game. You know, Desers and Matteo Ganduzi getting a yellow card in the in in the dying seconds of the game. It was oh dear. I mean, Arkadiusz Milik got injured. I mean. Uh, Best of luck to him with his injury, but you know, was really not a good game to watch. It was a very dirty game, but in the end, Fiennot got the job done. You know, Marseille they were in, they, they got beaten by Lyon at the weekend as well at the Velodrome. They were beaten three 0 on the night, uh, courtesy of the 
three goals in the second half by Castillo, Lukaba, Musa Dembele and Carl Tokoy Kambi. So uh, they were coming into the game after two straight losses, one at home, one away in Netherlands. So I, I didn't really uh, fancy them to be in a bit of a trouble. I thought they would get a goal and an extra time. It was somewhat, somehow beat Feyenoord, but in the end, I think Feyenoord deservedly going through. Roma against Feyenoord, I think there's going to be one win, and that's going to be Roma. If Feyenoord get through in this champ- in, in this Europa, League fi- Europa Conference League, I would be really amazed. I mean, it's going to be somewhat a spectacle to see, at the least. But that's it from me today. We'll come back after the weekend. We've got some really important games in... Uh, in Europe to talk about, uh, we've got a big game in Portugal between Benfica and Porto. I mean, that's not really something to really talk about. Uh, uh, in Germany, we have got a big, big uh, weekend uh, to come forward to. Hoffenheim against Bayer Leverkusen, a big game. Freiburg against Union Berlin and uh, also Leipzig, who will be facing Augsburg in the Red Bull Arena. It's a big, big game around there. Uh, <clears throat> even in La Liga, we've got Betis against Barcelona. Uh, in the Premier League, obviously, you've got Liverpool against Tottenham and Manchester City against Newcastle. As far as for Arsenal, they're going to be hosting Leeds United at the uh, Emirates Stadium. A big game for Leeds United and also for Arsenal in this uh, in in, the, in this quest. A uh, big game in La Liga as well on uh, Sunday as we've got uh, uh, Villarreal playing against uh, Sevilla. So, big game there as well. Uh, we've got... In La Liga as well, Real Madrid playing Atletico Madrid. So yeah, you know, big games all around the uh, all around the European continent. Hayes Verona against Milan can be a bit of a slippery skin. Hayes Verona, the catalyst for a lot of uh, the unrest that has been caused in the title race or even in the uh, top four race in the past in the Serie A. So we'll have to see what happens there. Uh, we'll come back on Tuesday to relive what happened in the uh, in the other leagues until then stay safe take care of yourself and this was a host of my Reshmatkar cheerio <laughs>